What's up, everybody? You were listening to OT takes, overtime takes, whatever you want to call it. And I done goofed again this morning. I was recording my show live on the radio, and I hit record late. So when we jump in, you're going to hear a quote from Colt, and then you'll hear Colt in the middle of his take on the Lakers and Nuggets. I'm sorry. I done messed up. And yeah, hopefully you guys enjoy the episode. If you do, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at OT Takes and leave a review and let let me know what you think. So thank you guys. Oh, I'm I'm in with a straight jacket and weights tied around my ankles. That's how in I am. Like I I'm so in that I couldn't get out if I wanted to. Like there there's nothing that could get me out. That's that's how in I am had erased a 15-point deficit like it was nothing. It was incredible. Yeah, I just – they were about 20 going into the fourth, and Grayson, my roommate, he was like, hey, Jonathan, like, is the game close? Like, should I come watch? I was like, Nuggets are up by 20. I wouldn't worry about it. And then you blink, and it's like, oh, they're up by six. Yeah, it was it was an awesome comeback by the Lakers. And even though they lost the game, you know, I do think that's a really good sign for them because that's the kind of – you know, intensity and, and failure to quit that we just didn't see from the Clippers in, in that series. And so I think that speaks uh, highly to the Lakers. Like, you know, we've known the Nuggets have that. We've seen that for two series now. But seeing that in the Lakers and seeing that, hey, this is a team that they have LeBron and they have AD, but they're not just going to sit there and let these games um, happen and, and just be content with, you know, losing by 20 and moving on. Now, I, I do have some questions about them, and we'll get to that in a second, but it was encouraging to see them kind of come back and make it a game late. Without a doubt, you know, it was, it was encouraging for Reggie Miller too because he was like, if the Nuggets don't don't push this lead out to about 20, like they're, they're going to be in trouble, which is, I think, the first right thing Reggie Miller said in the bubble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, but, it, but, yeah, he was spot on, um, which I do think is scary if you're rooting for the Nuggets going forward because they're not always going to be able to pull that lead to, to 20. Um, yeah. And – the fact that they let the Lakers come in. Now, they, they put the foot down when they had to, and, and they, you know, it ended up being, if you looked at the final score, you'd think, oh, that game wasn't very close. You know, Nuggets had it. But the the, the score's lying to you on, on how tight that game was. Yeah, Jamal Murray down the stretch was unbelievable. Those those two back-to-back shots he had and, and then just pulling up over Anthony Davis from, from 30 uh, was ridiculous. Like, that, it, it's fun watching with other people because I, I realized just how often I just sit quietly. And that one, I just didn't. I just put my head in my hands. We both just looked at each other like, what in the world? I was like, this is incredible. Like, if he's hitting that kind of stuff, if you're having one of those games for him, you're not going to lose. Yeah, well, I noticed t- both he and Jokic were much more aggressive in this game than they had been in the in the first two, especially Murray. Like, in game one, Murray only got like 12 shots up. Game two, somewhere around 15. I think he was somewhere in like the 20 range in this last game. So I really liked how much more aggressive he was. Jokic as well, especially out of the gate. Jokic took like the first four or five shots for Denver. And like they were both really aggressive, and which I think it was good for for their role players in that sense. Like you know, like Grant played great. Grant played really. Grant had twenty six, and he he's done a really good job. I think he's done about as good a job as you can do in terms of defending LeBron. You know, he's gotten switched on eighty a few times as well, and you know he's he's been really good defensively. Morris had a good game off the bench, and so did Porter. So Porter only had nine, but he was like four of six from the field. Morris had fourteen. You know, excluding game one, just because I feel like game one doesn't even matter for Denver. They're like, ah, we don't really have to play this game. You know, I feel like, you know, game two, the Lakers play, Lakers role players outplayed 
the Nuggets role players, and that's that's why they won. You know, they shot really, really they shot well from the field, and in game two, you know, I think, excuse me, game three, you know, I feel like the Nuggets role players outplayed the Lakers role players, and like that's that's why they won. Especially, you know, because man, the Lakers role players were just they were bad, they were not good. So, and whereas the Nuggets, they were really good. I don't I don't know if the Nuggets role players could play much better than what they did. So, yeah, I mean that's. That's one thing that we saw last night, you know, to your first point about them coming out, playing aggressive. Uh, it was, you saw it especially early on where they were like, hey, we're going to establish that we're in this game and that you're going to have to kind of reckon with us. And I think that their establishment of that early in the f- first quarter is what allowed everything to open up for the rest of the guys. And ultimately, like you said, it's, you know, the role players are going to be huge in this series. And the fact that we were watching in the first half and Jokic came out, and I was looking at you, and I was like, the, the Nuggets are winning these minutes with Jokic on the bench. And if that happens, like, it's a wrap. Like, if you're if you're the Lakers and you're losing uh, in plus-minus when Jokic is on the bench, you don't have a shot. And last night, the, the best three Nuggets in plus-minus were Mason Plumley, Morris, and Millsap. Like those, those were the. Which the, is just weird. Which is weird. And 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 look, that's not going to be this. That's not going to be the case every game. And I think you're going to have some some regression from them. Um, and also, I mean, you're just going to see. I mean, the Lakers aren't going to shoot 23 percent from three. Uh, That's too, true. Too many that won't happen times. Again. You know, we we often talk about how bad the Lakers are of a three point shooting team and all this kind of stuff. They're they're 35 percent three point shooting. They're team average for the season, and and the, the Nuggets were 36. And so it's not like they have this huge advantage in in how they're going to shoot. And so I was thinking, as that that comes back to the mean, uh, the Lakers are going to be able to to pull some stuff in this series. Yeah. So you said that you had some concerns for the Lakers after kind of watching last night. So, like, what, what are those? Because I just think that you know we talked about it. You know, we kind of felt like AD and LeBron just kind of floated through most of the game. Mm-hmm. Which, if you look at their numbers, if you just look at their numbers, it's like these guys didn't float. They combined for fifty-seven and shot sixty percent from the floor between the two of them. So, what are kind of your your concerns for them? Yeah, I mean, and it was more concerns just within that game itself, not necessarily for the series, because I do think that they floated and that's a testament to how great they are as players that they can float and LeBron can have a triple double, a 30 point (laughs) triple double. And he's just kind of coasting. I mean, he turned it on in spurts in the second half and that's kind of when they got back into the game. And and one thing we talked about too, and I guess I, I, as I'm kind of reflecting on it, concern maybe wasn't the right word is you can't fake desperation. The nuggets are down two. They know if they lose this game, the series is over. And so they're playing with an intensity that you just can't match if you're the Lakers. You can't. And, and that's not, you know, that's not a fault with them. That's any team, right? If you're up 2-0, you can still win the game, but you're not going to win the game because you play as a, the more intense team. And yeah. I think it's as close as these teams are in skill level, when one team just comes with a, a higher, you know, fire and energy, then, you know, you're just not going to be able to match that. I think what's encouraging for the Lakers is that they got dang close to winning that game anyways. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I'm wondering if we're going to start to see some of the fatigue, both physically and mentally, from the Nuggets start to kind of seep in as, as this series goes on. They've played a ton of basketball, man. Yes, they have. They've played a ton. With very little rest. They've been every other day for a while, you know. And obviously, you know, they had the two days off, and they were just talking about, you know, they're talking about in their post-game interviews how weird it was to have, like, a practice. Mm-hmm. So, but – I don't know. But then again, I just they're so young. Like outside of Paul Millsap, I don't they don't have anybody over the age of like 27. And so, I think because of that, 
I think that's maybe a little overstated because, you know, like when you're younger, you know, your your body's going to recover quicker. And so I just – but, like, at the same time, though, like, it is a lot of basketball. But I just don't think it's as big a deal because they're all 25 years old. You know, like this is what they did every weekend at, at AAU tournaments for ever since they were, you know, 15 years old. So, yeah, no, definitely. And and like we said with the Nuggets, you know, their, their role players showed up, and, and I probably trust them more than I trust the Lakers' role players. But some of these numbers are insane, right? Grant was 7 for 11. <laughs> like, Michael Ford <laughs> Jr. is 4 from 6. Morris was 5 for 7. Like, they're they're not all going to have those games, and they're not I – mean, and they may have those games, but they're not all going to have those games together like that again yeah. for the rest of the series. And I think that's kind of what it took for the Nuggets to order to win this game. And the thing that we know about LeBron and the LeBron team is they're not going to roll over like the Clippers roll. Oh over. yeah, they're they're not going to just sit here and let this happen. Um, and so, I think Game Four is going to be really interesting uh, to see kind of what kind of Lakers team we get. Uh, and, and I know everybody's saying that you know the the Nuggets are one loss away from winning the Western Conference <laughs> Finals, but. Uh, I, if you go down to this this Lakers team three one into LeBron three one, I I think that's a wrap. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, the, the the Nuggets need to win Game Four, which they know that I'm not I'm not too too worried about them. But speaking of Game Four, Heat Celtics tonight Game Four Heat lead two one. Celtics are a three and a half point favorite. I've I think the Celtics win tonight. I mean, I just Gordon Hayward I think is much more important than people realized. Especially against the zone, because him planted in the middle of it is, I think he's been kind of their best option so far, just at how he's reacted. So I like him. I think he's going to shoot better tonight, just because having a game underneath him, I, I like the Celtics to win by. I'm not going to say pretty easily because Miami's not going to go away, but I, I do like the the Celtics to win. Yeah, and and you know they're coming off a long rest, which is going to be incredibly important for Hayward. Uh, coming off that injury, trying to get back in shape, even probably more so than the injury, um, is going to be really helpful for him. And like you said, he is incredibly important. And if you just – he's another one where if you just looked at the box score after game three, you'd be like, oh, okay, he was, you know – He was there. He, he was there. <laughs> but when you watch the game, you saw just how much he changed the, the dynamic of the court and, and what he brings to the Celtics is so much more than the numbers themselves. He – Spaces the floor much better. Uh, he's a threat offensively that you have to be aware of, unlike uh, some of the other guys that they have coming in for him. And, and like you said, when he's put in the middle, his his passing ability, uh, you have to respect him. You know, just pulling up from the elbow, and so you can't sag off of him, um, or he'll go by you. And so he is impactful. But again, the Heat nearly won, or they were in that game. They were. But I feel like it was one of the, they just kind of it was weird because it didn't feel like they were down by six. It, it, it felt like my, it felt like the Boston was up by like ten or twelve, and then you look at the score and they're only up by like six. And I think that's a positive for Miami that you're we're thinking oh this team is getting crushed they have no shot and it's like no they're in this game like and so and I and I say that to say what we just said about this this Nuggets team is you can't fake desperation and for everything that we love about Miami how intense they play the fire that they come with we saw in game three the Celtics had more of that than Miami did and they were coming out and they were on fire ready ready to go and so that's one thing that as a Celtics fan I would be a little worried about right like are we going to come with that level of energy are we going to come with that level of 
of passion again. And, and we all know what happened after game two with the yelling in the locker room, and, and that seemed to pay pay off for them. But Miami's not going to come out as flat as they did in game three. And and we know what kind of team they are when they when they get geared up. And so, you know, this this is going to be a good a good view of how the rest of the series is going to go. And, uh, you know, I, I picked the Celtics before the series started and I want to be like, yeah, I know I'm going to rob my pick, but I just, I, I think this Miami team beats them. And I do have a question for you about Miami and, and we, you know, this might be, we can come back to this if you want to, I might be looking okay. at it a little too much. We say that Miami was this great matchup against Milwaukee, right? And we said that Miami was this great matchup against the Celtics. And, and looking forward, I've already seen people talking about how they're a great matchup against the Lakers. You know what it means when you're a great matchup against all these teams? It means you're a really good team. It means you're better than these teams. Like, we keep saying, oh, they're a great matchup, and they match up well, and, and they, they fit together. And, we, and when we say that, we say it like this, like, cute little, like, oh, well, they're the worst team, but they just happen to match up better. And so that gives them advantage. It's like, no, maybe they're just constructed as a team better than every other team. And maybe they're just better than people, but we're not talking about them like that. Yeah, I just, I think that people say that because, you know, we've, we've talked about it, you know, to quote you, you, it's hard, you can't win, you can't win an NBA finals with Jimmy Butler as your best player, which I totally agree with. And I think that that's why people say that. Cause look, like, let's be honest, like you look top to bottom well, not even top to bottom, because like when people look at rosters, that's just not what they look at. They look at, okay, the Lakers have Anthony Davis and LeBron James, and the Miami Heat have Jimmy Butler and Gordon Dragic. The Lakers are better, because they just kind of stop after those two players. But when you run you know, one through eight, you'd be like, oh, like they also got Bam Adebayo, and Tyler Hero's really good, and Robinson's one of the best spot-up shooters in the league, as we've come to find out, yeah. and so on and so forth. And so I think that's why people say that. And including me, like that's kind of where I stopped with it. And I think that anytime you defend as well as Miami does, you always have a shot. Here's the thing. We say that you can't win that way because no one has in a while. But we said that you couldn't win shooting jump shots. All right? Like that was the dominant narrative around that Warriors team is that, well, you can't win this way. It's no, it's you just hadn't win, won this way. And I think a reason that no one had won that way is no one had constructed their team for the sole purpose of winning that way. I don't think we've seen a team in the last, I mean, since probably the Pistons. I mean, I can think of a few, I guess, and, and I'll run through here in a second. But no one has constructed their team with the mindset of, hey, we don't have the superstar, but we're going to try to compete anyways. Because most teams, if they don't have the superstar, they throw up their hands and they say, oh, well, we don't have a superstar, so we're not going to have a chance. And Miami went, no, I don't care if, if we don't have the superstar. We're going to try. And we've never seen someone try before. And so I don't think it's necessarily that you can't do it. I think it's like we man, we just may have never seen anybody give it a shot. And like when I'm thinking back about past teams, I think about those Atlanta Hawks teams. That Joe Johnson, right, right. And so like all five guys, you know, made the All Star team, and we're like, oh, look at this team, and, and they were a 60 win team out in the East. And uh, there's this great narrative like, oh, is this going to be a team? They don't have a superstar. Are they going to do it? And they get mopped in the playoffs. But did that have more to do with that team, or was it, hey, maybe Mike Budenholzer isn't a great playoff coach, which I think we've seen bear out the last yes, two years. Yes, we have, yeah. yeah. And so, you know, I, I do think it's possible, because if you look at the last team to do this without what we would say is a top-flight superstar is the Pistons, when you look at the type of player, you know, not necessarily like with the ball, but just what they bring to the team with the Chauncey Billups and a Jimmy Butler, 
I think you can see some similarities between those types of guys. Yeah. And and what they bring to the floor. And so do I think it's more difficult to win this way? Yes. Do I think that you can't win this way? I'm not comfortable saying that. I'm not going to write them off just because they don't have this superstar level guy. Because I think we've seen at the end of games, Jimmy Butler can't be that for you for four quarters. He can be it for you for, for a quarter. And, and yeah. the way he's brought it in the fourth quarter, like he looks like a guy when he's out there playing the fourth quarter. And, you know, I don't think he's taken more than 20 shots in a game, but once this playoffs, you know, he's not going to be that guy that carried the whole game. But if they can keep it close, which we've seen that they can with, with all these other guys that you mentioned, when it comes down to it, like, I think that, that Butler might be enough to get you where you need to go. Which is just a really weird thought. Incredible. Incredible. I never would have never would have thought that we would be here with this team. So, this is just what I think. I feel like this is just the narrative that I feel like has played out that I feel like was going to be a thing no matter what happened in the bubble. I feel like if any team other than L.A., by L.A., I mean I mean the Lakers, the word that would have came out is asterisk. And if, if Miami wins, that word will be everywhere. Everywhere. Everybody's like, oh, it's, it's just the bubble. That's why they won like that. Especially among people who don't know basketball very well and people who are just kind of like people who were Laker fans and things like that. Like, oh, it, it was just the bubble. I feel like it's going to be a thing that definitely happens. Okay, sure. Like, I, I agree that that's probably going to happen, especially people who don't watch basketball. My counter to that would be every single team that's won a title, what do we say? Oh, well, hey, injuries. They, they, every team they played was hurt, right? Like, the, those Warriors teams, it's like, oh, Kawhi got hurt. You know, they, that's, that's the only reason they got there. It's like, or they're incredible. Like, maybe they, right, yeah. like, they're like, well, the Spurs were winning the first half of game one, so they would have won the series if Kawhi didn't get hurt. It's like, that's so <laughs> dumb that we talk that way. And Rosillo made this great point on his podcast where he, he asked Bill, and he was like, when was the last time a team lost in the playoffs and wasn't hurt? Like, every single time they lose, somebody comes out, and it's like, oh, you know, well, now this guy had a knee thing or a shoulder thing. Like, Paul George is the king of this, right? Like, every time <laughs> he has a bad game, he comes out with the ice on his shoulder, and he's like, oh, you know, it's shoulder stuff, acting up. You never see that from him after they win, ever. But every single time he has a bad game, he comes out. And so this conversation we have around teams and – asterisks and oh well well what about and it's only the bubble and it's just this and that like we always have these conversations about teams and and people talk about that with all different kinds of stuff and so if people want to say there's an asterisk because a team that they weren't expecting to win the title won the title maybe it wasn't because they're the bubble maybe because it's like look we haven't seen this before and that probably would have happened whether we're in the bubble or not now do i think that miami is probably built built different uh, in order to handle, <laughs> in order to handle maybe the 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 bubble atmosphere, and I think we've seen that they are just with some of the stuff that's happening off court and the way that they attack the games and kind of the, you know, I do think they're more of a team than than maybe any other team left in the bubble. Like they really believe each other and, and seem to enjoy each other in a way that, you know, teams like Philly and teams like the Clippers definitely didn't, and I think that came back to bite them. Do they are they better suited for the bubble than other teams? Yes. Is that the reason they're winning? No, I don't. I don't. I don't think so. I think there's other stuff going on there. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, Eric Spolstra, hat off to him because he's a big reason why they're winning. You know, he's Incredible. he's a guy that's. I'm very guilty of this. That's when he first kind of started coaching. You know, he's got two rings, and it's like, oh, he had LeBron, he had Dwayne Wade, he had Chris Bosh, and it's just kind of like this guy's not a great coach. He just had three great players, and then now it's like. 
it's like, why didn't I trust Pat Riley to find a good coach, you know? And so he's, you know, he's definitely the, the coach of the bubble, <laughs> without a doubt. And I've been, I've been really impressed with him. Speaking of coaches, Billy Donovan. I, as a guy who really likes the Bulls, because I just feel like, I feel like all sports are better when when the team from Chicago, team from LA, sure. and team from New York is good. Right. Except for football, obviously, like it's so much better when, when the Cowboys are good, which hasn't happened in a long time. <laughs> they were like thirteen and three two years ago, man. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, and so I like the Bulls getting Billy Donovan, but I don't like Billy Donovan going to the Bulls, mm. just because you know we. I think we talked about it off air. Like, go to Philly. Like, go coach Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and those guys. Just because I feel like, you know, I feel like a lot of, especially college basketball coaches, they're all about their players and they're really good at, like, connecting because that's what recruiting is, you know? And I feel like if there's any coach that could get through, through to those guys that's available, it'd be either Billy Donovan or I'm blanking on his name. I can see his face. Um, Co- yeah, I, I feel like it'd be one of those two guys. And, you know, he, he wants Chicago, which he's from Chicago, I believe. So I understand, like, I want to go home. But, like, do you not want to win? Because, like, the Bulls' best player is Zach Levine, who's a good player but not a superstar by any means. So I'll talk about the Philly thing first, and then we'll come back around to, to what he looks like with the Bulls. And, and to start with, I agree with your take. Like, the basketball is more interesting when the Bulls are good. Um, and we just need another team in the East that is fun. So with the Philly thing, I think the ceiling of that team is incredibly high and, and incredibly tantalizing of what they could be if they have those two guys playing well with also you know Tobias Harris and some of these other pieces that they have. However, I would be worried about some of the front office decisions that have been made in the last, you know, three, four years. Um, I'm not sure Elton Brand is a great GM. And I think we've just seen that that is a really difficult situation to be the coach. And you have to try to coach these two guys who don't seem to really care as much as a lot of other guys, right? We, Joel Embiid shows up out of shape or, you know, not in, maybe not out of shape, but not in his peak physical condition every single year. Ben Simmons refuses to shoot, even though that would open up the game for him and everybody else on his team and make his team better. Why would you want to put yourself in a position where you have to try to wrangle both of these guys and you know that my livelihood and how people view me depends on these two guys that don't put out the effort that I want them to put out, who don't seem to have the desire and passion to be great at basketball that other people have. I don't want to tie up my future in in guys like that. And I don't want to have to rely on guys like that. And so, yes, while the potential for them to be incredible and special is there, man, I, I'm not sure he'd want to sign up for coaching those two guys, and especially in an environment like Philly where it's a no-win situation, man. You're going to get crushed if if you're not awesome immediately with those guys. and Especially in a city like Philly. In a city like Philly, exactly. And and if if you're not good and they trade one of those guys, well, man – now you're it's not the situation you signed up for there either where you're kind of you know it's not a a full rebuild because you still have a special player with either one of those guys but you know there's just so much uncertainty with that job I don't think that that maybe he'd want to take that but yeah that's totally fair I just when you look at talent and teams that need a coach 
Philly's definitely the best spot in terms of we've got guys who can play. You know, where Chicago, can you name three guys on the you, – you can. I feel like <laughs> – I know you can. I feel like most people, they'd be like, Zach Levine, does Derek Rose still play for him? Markinen, <laughs> bro. Lori Markinen. Lori Markinen. I still believe in him. That's good. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> he's your he, he's your guy. For yeah. <laughs> well, and here's the thing. In, in going to Chicago, one of the biggest downsides of Chicago for years now has been their front office, and that just got completely flipped. And so you're coming into a new situation. You have a new front office. They're giving a new coach a chance. He's probably going to have a bit more sway in, in probably some of their decision-making moving forward, which is I'm sure that's something he wants. And so I can see why you'd want to be there. You're not going to be good right away. I do think you have a little bit longer leash to figure things out. Um, and I think we saw that he's probably better in that situation, right? Like, Yeah, because this is OKC. Right. He, he coached Russell Westbrook, right? He coached with the guy that you can't tell him what to do, and he's going to play his way. Guess what? Philly has two of those guys. And <laughs> yeah. so I, I think that probably had a big sway into why he might not have wanted to go there because what was the biggest thing on, on Donovan for a while when, when Russ was there is like, Oh, well Russ doesn't move off ball and they don't do this and they don't do that. Well, was that a coaching thing or was that Russ saying, I'm not going to do this. Yeah. And so if he goes to Philly and he has two guys that just don't do what he wants them to do and doesn't do the system, like what do you do with that as a coach? And so I think he wants to go to somewhere like Chicago. That is a lot more reflective of, of who OKC was this year where, you know, now, obviously, they're not going to be as good as OKC was this year. They have some top-end young talent, and they had Chris Ball, who was incredible. But you're at this roster that you can kind of put in a system that you want to put in. You can develop these guys and grow these young guys, which we saw that he has the ability to do. And so for Chicago, like you said earlier, I think this is a great decision by them to bring in this guy. I think he's going to be really helpful. And I can get why he would want to go there um, over over a place like Philly. Even though he maybe doesn't have the potential for top-end success that he has at Philly, the bottom's not going to fall out in Chicago like it did, especially after Boylan is out. Like, it's going to be an upgrade. Yeah, totally agree, totally agree. So, this segment was supposed to be 15 minutes and ended up being almost 30, which is okay. Wonderful. <laughs> so, we're going to be right back with a bunch of NFL stuff for the rest of the show, so don't go anywhere. And we're back with more overtime takes here on KSWH LP 102.5 FM, The Pulse, here in Arkadelphia. If you're just joining us, I've got Colt with me. He was here last week. And we're going into NFL stuff. So we're going to start with Drew Brees on Monday night and how below average he was, to say it nicely. You give me your take on Drew Brees and kind of what we saw Monday night. Then again, it is only one week. I do want to preface that. The thing is, I don't think it's one week. The The Saints put up a lot of points in week one. And if you just look at the box score again, or just the final score, you'd think they played really well. Breeze even said after the game week one that he wasn't very good, and there are some things that he needed to improve on, and Sean Payton said the same thing. This isn't new. right? This is stuff that we started to see last year, and just the, the inability to really push the ball down the field. And because Drew Breeze is so smart and because of some of the receiving talent he has around him, you know, everybody jokes about Michael Thomas, all he does is run slants. One, that's not true, but also there's a reason that he stays stays and doesn't go deep, and it's not because he doesn't have the ability to run deep routes. It's because he has a quarterback that can't push the ball down the field in the same way. And so, you know, there were talks this offseason about, hey, is Drew Brees going to retire? And this is kind of seen as Drew Brees' last year. So I think he knows that it's gone. Or not gone, but going. Yeah. Um, 
And so I would worry moving forward uh, about his ability to play at a high level. And I know he spent a lot of time this offseason working on, you know, his arm strength and working on figuring out how to how to get the ball down the field with his, you know, physical tools diminishing. But it doesn't look like it was super effective for him. And, you know, that's nothing on him. You, you get older, that happens. We're seeing the same thing, I think, in Tampa a little bit. But I would be worried. Uh, this is real. This is a real thing. And, and do I still think they're going to be a good team? Yeah. Like, I, I think that if you look at the roster talent that's around them on the defensive side of the ball and, you know, as Michael Thomas comes back from injury and some other things that, yeah, they're going to be good, right? Like, they, they can still win their division. I don't know if they're the top flight Super Bowl contenders that we maybe thought they were. Yeah, I totally agree. I do still think that they're going to win their division just because I think they're better than Tampa. And, you know, we're kind of seeing the same thing with Tom Brady. We're just not talking about it because he's Tom Brady. And, you know, he just – which sucks because, like, Drew Brees is, like – you know, he's one of the guys that's you know, growing up I was like, man, like, I love Drew Brees. And, you know, when I think of Drew Brees, I think of this – awesome quarterback who won the Super Bowl with the onside kick against the Colts and all that and it was just you know it sucks to kind of see to see this happen to him but it happens you know he's still going to be he's going to go down as maybe the best statistical quarterback to ever play and you know I hope you know he can figure it out you know maybe he can get a little juice or something give him a little steroid shot or something make your own juice bro that's right when you're (laughs) When you're built different, you you can do that. That's it. <laughs> yeah, so in week one, Drew Brees was 18 for 30 with 160 yards. See, the thing that drives me a little crazy is, like, like your arm strength is, is diminishing, which is okay. It happens. But, like, why is he so inaccurate, right? Like, we even saw that Monday night. Like, their guy's wide open. You know, he's got all the time in the world, and he's just missing dudes. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know – we joked about this last night, and we both said, uh, obviously, it's not that bad. But with Peyton, when he started to go, which Brees is not on that level yet. Not yet. Um, I think as you lose that arm strength, you're used to just being able to throw the ball in a certain way. And so as you lose your arm strength, you think, oh, your accuracy still should be there. But your 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 release angle is having to change. You're having to put more air under the ball that you're not used to have. And so you, he's having to completely relearn how to throw the ball a little bit in a way that now it's gradual, right? Because he's been losing his arm strength gradually, but I don't think that, you know, as your arm strength goes, it's not like every other attribute stays at 99. Um, yeah, it's going to pull down other stuff too. And so we are going to see a little more missed throws. We are going to see him not be able to get the ball down the field. And, and like we said, like if you had to pick, you know, one offensive coordinator to be able to figure out how to work around these limitations, they have one of the top three picks with yeah. Sean Payton, right? Like he's one of the guys you'd want in that situation and trust to build a scheme around it. And so I do think they're going to be okay. I, I, I'm not going to, you know, raise this huge panic um, about the Saints. But, you know, I, if I had them as a Super Bowl pick, I would maybe not feel so great about that right now. Totally agree. So we're going to go way off track because you said something interesting. I think it's just be, it'd be fun to talk about. I do that often. Yeah. So you said Sean Payton's a, a top three pick for offensive coaches that you would want, right? Mm-hmm. Who are the other two? Because there are so many. Yeah. There and is. I don't know if Sean Payton really makes my top three. Because I just I feel like I'd want Shanahan from San Francisco for sure. Andy Reid is definitely a guy I think I'd want before Sean Payton. Probably maybe Sean McVay. I, like those three guys are obviously like Sean Payton's still great. But at the same time, like those three guys are incredible. Yeah, I would have. I mean, Andy Reid would be my number one pick. 
And, the same. And yeah. I think Shanahan would be number two. The three spot is the one that gets interesting, right? Like, because it, it does feel like there's four top flight guys. If if we just said like if we made tiers, Doug Peterson's really good too in Philly, which I don't think he's on that level. But no, he's another guy who's yeah, he's he's not on that level. If we talked about tiers, right? There's four people in tier one. Yes, I, I think. And so they have one of those tier one guys, and you know we can quibble about whether he's number three or number four. I would probably have him number three. I think if you look at his track record, when was the last like kind of disappointing offensive year for the Saints? Yeah, I can't really remember one. And last year, it seemed like people kind of figured out McVay right after they lost the Super Bowl to New England, and we saw that um, Belichick figured him out. Which is not a knock on him. Belichick figures out everybody. That's Belichick. He's the best. But they came back from that season. And a lot of the stuff that they had been doing wasn't working as much anymore. And I think the league kind of figured some stuff out. Now, I think we've seen this year that he's adapted and, and changed to that, uh, which is a, a great testament to him. But I don't see Sean Payton having a year or at least, you know, a half a year, three quarters of a year like McVay had last year where he just doesn't have it in the same way. Yeah. And so for me, that's why I would have him number three. Okay, that's fair. That's totally fair. So with that, we're going to get into the bets of the week. So – I'm be honest, man. I'm nervous doing this just because, like, I'm playing with other people's money, <laughs> in in a way. I was about to say, John. I don't want to. I don't want to burst your bubble here, buddy. But I don't think anyone's listening to this radio show or podcast and going, you know what? I'm going to listen to him and I'm going to bet real money on what he <laughs> thinks. Like, I love you to death, my guy. But hey, man, you, you never know, though. You never know. You hey, never if know. you're out there and you're thinking about doing this, don't, don't, don't yeah, listen this, to us this is, about actually betting money on things. This is the the first week of it, so let's just like see how it goes. Like, if if, if I go five and zero, oh, I mean. That means that you should have listened to me. <laughs> That's what it means, Yeah, but right? you should have, and you probably shouldn't ever again because it's never going to happen. That was the bet that we were going to have the, the peak of these whole segments for the rest of your life today if you go okay. 5-0. All right, so the first one that I like, Thursday Night Football tomorrow night, Jacksonville's a three-point favorite, which this may be the only game that they're favored in all year. But I like Miami. I like Miami to win outright 28-24. I like. I think you know Brian Flores is a better coach than I looked up his name last night. Doug Marone. Thank you, Doug Marone. I like Miami secondary. By- Byron Jones is a little banged up. He may not play, but they're pretty deep on the back end. So I think Minshew maybe doesn't play as well this week, especially because he's kind of been the story for them. And you know the Titans secondary isn't bad. I don't think personnel wise they're as good as Miami or even coach wise. You know Brian Flores I think is one of the best defensive coaches in, in the league. So I think this is definitely the best secondary he's going to face. The only concern would be can the Dolphins get enough pressure on Minshew, which, you know, uh, Wilkins has shown some promise this year. He's been really good weeks one and two in terms of pressuring the quarterback. And, you know, Fitzpatrick, this is going to be the worst defense he's seen so far. So I think, you know, he's going to have a good week because he's a professional quarterback playing against maybe the worst secondary in the NFL. So I like him to play well. Devontae Parker should be back and fully healthy. So I like I like Miami to win 28-24. Yeah, man, I've been staring at this, and, you know, we talked about what your picks were going to be, and, and I, I have no idea. Uh, this is a game that I would not bet I would stay away from. But I just that, like the number. Yeah, with that being said, like, I do think that the, the Dolphins have a better coach. I agree with you on that. I do think that this is probably the worst defense that Fitzpatrick has played. That being said, trying to predict how well Fitzpatrick is going to play <laughs> is impossible. Uh, That's fair. Yeah, it, it's it's just never going to happen because he'll play great teams and ball out for 400 yards and play a trash team and throw four interceptions. So 
it's impossible to know what that dude's going to do on any given day. I also think you're underrating Minshew Mania. <laughs> I'm all in. Okay, I'm all in. I mean, he's, he's I'm, a good I'm shaving tonight to match my mustache to Mitchie's. <laughs> no, but, like, I do think, you know, I do think this is going to be a really fun game. Uh, and two teams that aren't very good. Like, they're, they're, they're not. Um, Agreed. But I do think that, you know, this is, this is going to be okay. It's going to be fun. And so, yeah, I'm not going to get mad at you for, for the line and the pick. Um, I would stay away from it, but I, I can see where you're coming from. Yeah. So this next one is probably my favorite one out of all of them. Like, if I was not a broke college student and had money to bet, this is 100% a game I think I would bet. So the Bills are 2.5-point favorite against the Rams, and I like the Rams to win this one pretty easily. You know, I think that there's a lot caught up in Josh Allen and how well he's played the first two weeks, but the secondaries that he's faced the first two weeks, or just the defenses in general haven't been super great, you know, Especially last week, you know, like I said earlier, I like Miami's secondary, but Byron Jones got hurt early in that game, and he's probably their best corner, and so he should be back for this week. But So Bills are two-and-a-half-point favorite. I like the Rams to win outright, 31-24. I think, you know, at the same time, the Rams' offense, the Rams have just looked really good this year. They look good. You know, and, you know, Bill Simmons may be right about them winning, you know, that that, uh, very tough division out there. And the Bills haven't really proved it to me yet. In terms of like, I don't remember who they play week one. I looked this up last night. Problem is really late. That's why I don't remember. <laughs> but so I just anyway. So I think I like Sean McVay. I they've think, they've had the daunting schedule of the Jets. Okay, that's who they play week one and the Dolphins. The Jets. See, so they still haven't really proved it to me. And you know I, their defense is going to be good, but Sean McVay, as we discussed earlier, one of the best offensive minds in the league. They're going to figure out a way to put up points. Jared Goff has looked really good this year, and so I like I like the Rams to win. Yeah, I'm I'm all in on on with you on this one. Um, the Bills, the the hype train around Josh Allen. I mean, it's been strong even all off season. He's definitely people, better. Like I will agree with that, but I just don't think he's tier one yet. Right, yeah, and I've heard people talking about Josh Allen all offseason, and, and he has the potential to be this you know breakout guy and have this great great year. And I've been hesitant. Um, and the things we've seen in the first two weeks, the ceiling that he has is not new, right? We knew that this dynamic runner who can throw the ball eighty yards downfield, absolutely sling it. Like we've known, that's who he is. That's not the problem. The problem isn't the tools. The problem isn't the upside. The problem is he's going to have a couple plays from game to game that make you want to put your head in, <laughs> through a door. Exactly, and yeah. I don't think that we've seen that go away. The The throw he had that everybody mean that he missed out of the back of the end zone and, and put into the fifth row in week one, it's all fun to laugh about because they're playing the, the, Jets, the Jets, who are terrible, and they're able to win the game anyway. If that happens in this L.A. game and they lose out on touchdown from that, that could swing the game. And all of a sudden we're not laughing about, oh, this throw. It's all the same conversations we've been having about him for two years where the potential is there, the upside is there, but he just can't put it together. Now, I do think he's taken a step. I think that bringing in Stephon Diggs has been big for them. I think we've seen you know his, his deep ball passing. Um, no him. more check downs. Yeah. Well, <laughs> His quote of the offseason still kills me, man. You know what's incredible about that? What? You know who had the least amount of checkdowns in the Bills. NFL last year? Josh Allen. He said, no more checkdowns. You never throw any anyway. <laughs> you just throw the ball deep and you're terrible at it. But 
He's looked pretty good throwing that deep ball this year. He has. This S- year he's especially been better. Especially Stephon Diggs. The completion percentage has been a lot better. He's improved in a lot of ways. And so I, I don't want to take away, you know, don't don't hear this thinking like, oh, Josh Allen is, is trash because he's not. But I do think we've gotten a bit carried away. You know, this is one of my you, – you, John, you've heard me talk about this before. You can be overrated and still good. And yeah. I, I think that Josh Allen is overrated so far this year, and that doesn't mean he's bad. I think that just means we're talking about him at a level that he's just – I don't think he's there yet. Yeah, he's not trash, but he's also not built different. You know, he's <laughs> – Yeah, yeah, not not quite not quite built different. And and I do like the Rams. Like I said, like I do think this team is going to be good. And and I think, you know, McVay took a little bit of a step back last year. I think he's got that thing figured out, and I think they're going to – you know, the, the team is not that different – in construction from the team that went to the Super Bowl, except they lost Todd Gurley, who can't. And they added Jalen Ramsey on defense, right. who's maybe I probably take stuff on Gilmore, but Jalen Ramsey's a top three yeah, corner he's up in the there. league. He's he's a special player, and, and so, they sought the best defensive player in the league in Aaron Donald, wrecking people. Um, so yeah, I like this pick. I like the Rams to win the game. I definitely like the number, like you said, like it's just a field goal win. Uh, yeah, good good pick, good pick on that one. So this other one I like too. So the Titans are a three-point favorite over the Vikings, and the Vikings haven't looked good at all this year. You know, the defense, you know, the secondary gets absolutely torched in week one, and we're like, oh, this Vikings defense isn't a normal Vikings defense. And the Titans play a really – oh, let, let me back up and tell you all, like, what the line is and everything. So Titans are a three-point favorite over the Vikings. I like the Titans to win 38-27. I, the Titans have looked really good. You know, Tannehill threw for four touchdowns last week. You know, he's – you know, Tannehill is like the perfect quarterback for this team. Like, he's not going to kill you. He's going to make two or three big throws a game, and you're going to win. Be- because, you know, Derrick Henry's going to rush for 100 yards and two touchdowns, and Tannehill's not going to turn the ball over. Right? So, Kirk Cousins looked terrible last week. I don't think he looks much better this week. I think that one thing we're going to see is these truly elite quarterbacks don't really need a preseason, whereas these quarterbacks who are kind of middle of the road are like, they need training camp. They need the preseason. And so, I think – we're really going to see that, and you know, Kirk Cousins just—I just don't think he plays very well this week. You know, Pro Football Focus has the Titans secondary ranked like 11th, which was surprising for me. And so, you know, the Titans back end is pretty good. You know, their defense as a whole is solid, and you know, look, they're—they're going to be able to—they're—they're going to run the football well, which is that's that's how they beat people. And I expect you know Tannehill to play well, and the Vikings just aren't as good as we think they are this year. So I like the Titans to win pretty handily, 38-27, and they, which is a lot of points. 38 is a lot of points. So you said that, that Kirk Cousins hasn't been playing well. I mean, he was pretty bad last week. He's been playing atrocious. Yeah. He is terrible I'm this year. I'm trying to be nice. He, <laughs> he has 370 passing yards for the season. That's through two games. Dak had that nearly a half yesterday, like on, on Sunday. Yeah. He has thrown two touchdowns, and he has four interceptions. That, how does that happen? He had three in a game last last week against the Indianapolis against the Colts, a team that was carved up, mind you, by Minshew Mania. And so, <laughs> this is a guy who's just been playing. He's he's been atrocious, and he's one of those guys where normally you know you can count on him to be above average, solid guy. You know, not going to win you games, but not going to lose you games. He's been losing them games, and if he's losing them games, they don't have enough around the rest of the team in order for them to be successful. Like, he has to be a guy that's at least average, and if he's not that, this team is going to be bad, and that's what we're seeing. And so I don't think that gets turned around against the Titans. Um, I, I I think he's played. He's, he's It's been so bad. And so, yeah, I like the line. Uh, I like the Titans. 
as you said, they they their style of football is the way they play is very fun. unique. Unique. You're not going to see that in a lot of other places, and so I think that does create challenges when you play them, especially in the regular season. You and don't even, have as much time to prepare. And as early as it is, as well, with no preseason, you're telling me, you know, you know, you hear guys like Reggie Bush say that like it takes three or four weeks you to get like the calluses of playing NFL football in terms of hitting guys and stuff. You're telling me we're we're two weeks in and you want to go tackle Derrick Henry no. four, thirty times in a game? No. So yeah, I like I really like this pick. The Rams and the Bills are definitely my two favorites. These next two, especially the last one. But this this one here before Texans Steelers Steelers are a four point favorite Steelers cover I think they went twenty seven twenty one, you know Texans are like like every year since Deshaun Watson showed up struggling to protect him. Steelers have one of the best front fours in the league. You know T.J. Watt's definitely a guy who could win you know Defensive Player of the Year and everything, and you know I think you know this being week three I think Big Ben's finally going to kind of find a rhythm and he'll be better this week especially since the Texans defense isn't spectacular I don't think it's as bad as some of these other teams and so I, I like I like the Steelers 27-21 especially because I just don't think the Texans are going to be able to score because Steelers have one of the best defenses in the league so my question when I'm looking at the Texans this year is who did DeAndre Hopkins bribe in order to let him make the Texans schedule because it is <laughs> insane. It is tough. You open up with Kansas City, the Super Bowl champs, and then you have to play Baltimore, and now you're playing the Steelers. What a terrible start to the season. And so I do think that at the end of the year, we're going to be looking back on this Texans team and thinking, hey, remember when we thought they were going to be terrible? Like, remember when we thought they were going to be bad, and maybe they're just playing three pretty good teams? Um, and so... Yeah, I mean, I still think. I mean, I still like the Steelers in this game. I'm not. I'm not trying to disagree with you. Yes, yeah, I yeah. do agree with you. But I, I think we need to put show some the te- the Texans a little more respect. I do think Deshaun Watson, like, you know, he's they, a good they quarterback. haven't been able to protect him. Yeah, he doesn't like, have a lot of weapons. But I, I think he's so special that you know that's been a real. It's so sad that he got taken there because he's not on the level of Mahomes and Lamar. In Wilson, but I think in the right situation, he would be approaching that conversation. Agreed. And because of the situation he's put in, I worry that his whole career is just going to be this man. What could have been? And that's so that's so disappointing. But yeah, I like the Steelers. The number's good, uh, so I think I'll I'll agree with you on that one. Cool. So the, here's the last one, and this one is this one was tough. And I was looking at, it, I was like, I really like the number. I really like. When I looked at it, I was, I was really confident. As I woke up this morning, I was like, oh, I know. So this last one is Cowboys-Seahawks. Seahawks are a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Cowboys cover, but the Seahawks win 42-38. There's going to be so many points scored. Oh, I'm taking the over. It's 55-and-a-half. Oh, yeah. It's the over. Please, I'm, please I'm take, taking the over on that. Yeah. And so, because both defenses are just bad. You know, like the Seahawks, pers- outside of, you know, Wagner and Jamal Adams, they may have the worst defense in the league outside of those two guys. No pass rush whatsoever. I mean, so a lot of points. But at the end of the day, the Dallas Cowboys defense I don't think is much better. outside I of. I think the Dallas Cowboys defense might want to talk to you about who's maybe the worst defense in the league, but continue. Yeah, so, and I like Russell Wilson more than Dak, even though Dak is Dak's good. I feel like people think that I don't think Dak's good. Like, I do think Dak is good. I just don't think he's as good as some of these Top tier guys. He's tier two. He's he's top of tier two. Okay. <laughs> and so I just I like Wilson more than Dak. I think I think uh, 
think Wilson has a big game. You know, throws for like 700 yards. <laughs> yeah, he's he's gonna cook. He's gonna make like a full five course dinner. That's what he's gonna do. <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly, I don't know, man. I, I don't know about the line. I don't know. Four and a half is just a weird number. Five and a half. Five and a half. Five and a half is a weird number. Yeah, I mean, this is one that I would stay away from. Like, I wouldn't want any part of, oh, totally. of, of a five-and-a-half number. Um, I do think Seattle wins this game. This is one of my weird games where my, my two predictions for the season are, are battling each other, so I don't know who to root for. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I I hear what you're saying. I'm not going to be too disagreeing with you. I think that Seattle is, you know, their the ability to kind of hold off the Panthers was encouraging. Uh, so you're not going to see Dallas come back the way they came back, but you're probably not going to see Dallas lose three fumbles in the first quarter. So agreed. Uh, I do think this is a fun game for sure. It's going to be in an offensive shootout. If you want to make a bet on this game, I'd take the over on the, the 55 a and a half. But uh, yeah, yeah. So it'll be it'll be interesting. Yeah, I just I don't know. I was looking at it. and I was like, because I definitely think it's going to be close. I think most people would agree with that. And I like I said, I like the Seahawks. I think they're just they're better. And then there was one more game that I was really tempted <clears throat> to talk about. And so the Packers are a three-and-a-half-point underdog against the Saints. And I think the Packers are going to win that game. It's just one of those things where it is still Drew Brees, and Drew Brees could still – I think he's still more than capable of having a big game. I don't think he's depleted that much to where, you know, he's – you know, like he's not Peyton Manning the year that they won the Super Bowl. And he still does have, you know, Sean Payton at the helm there. So that was a game I was really close to betting on and picking the Packers to win outright just because uh, the Packers have looked really good. That's probably the game I should have done instead of this Seahawks-Cowboys game. Well, the last <laughs> thing, like, I would take the Packers too. It's one of those things where I'd, I'd be interested to, to listen to people talk about this who know much more than I do. Generally, I mean, well, happens, you're, you're listening to me talk about it. Yeah, that's <laughs> someone who knows more than I do. Uh, generally, that what happens is the home team gets three point boost because you're the home team for home field advantage. And so, if you have two teams that you think we think these are, you know, if two teams that were the exact same team played against each other, the home team is going to be favored by three points. I want to know how has that been affected this year with everything that's happening because I'm seeing what what do you say the line was? It's for the Packers and Saints. It's three and a half. Okay, three and a half. I'm seeing one here for three. And so, if it's a if it's Three, that means they think these teams, in a normal year, think these teams are the same. But because home field advantage isn't as strong as more, does that mean that they think that New Orleans is just a little bit better than them, which I don't agree with. I think, yeah. I think Green Bay is a lot better team. I think you go the worry of playing the Saints is having to go to New Orleans and, and having to play uh, there in the Superdome. Like That's a terrifying thing that people don't want to do. And so that's that fear isn't there anymore. It's, it's like a suite. You mean I get to go from Green Bay, where it's going to be cold, to playing inside at a dome? With no fans? Yeah. Let's go. Uh, and so, yeah, like I would take the Packers. Um, I think they're going to they're, – they're, I mean, Rodgers is out for blood this year, and it's been fun to see. And I think this is his first primetime game, Sunday night game. I think he's going to come out and try to make a statement and, and remind people, hey, I'm still here. You know, y'all, y'all, are, y'all are talking about Wilson. You're talking about Mahomes. Lamar Jackson. Lamar, and you're talking about how – 
Brady's getting old and Breeze is getting old. Hey, don't put me in that category, right? Like, I, I think he's going to have this game to show, like, hey, I'm, I'm still one of these top flight guys. Don't be writing me off just yet. Yeah, I totally agree. Totally agree. So that's going to do it for this segment. We're going to come back after this and play a game called Jonathan or Jonathout. Yeah, play on words. You got to love it. <laughs> so don't go anywhere. This is Overtime Takes on KSWH LP 102.5 FM, The Pulse, here in Arkadelphia. We're back. For some reason, mm. our thing isn't working. So, just no commercial, which hey. is great for y'all. Roll on. <laughs> we can keep it moving. So, Jonathan or Jonathout, is a, man, that just doesn't really sound right, but that's okay. I hate everything about that. You texted me this idea, and I was like, I like the concept. At 2.30 in the morning. I want to punch you in the face at 2.30 in the morning. Like... Yeah, my phone goes off, and it's like, oh, someone's texting me at 2.30 in the morning. This must be important. I should, like, wake up and check this text. And so I, like, wake up and get the text. I'm like, is somebody dying? Is somebody sick? No. No, it's Jonathan with a terrible segment idea saying Jonathan well, or Jonathan. Se- I was like, I'm so glad I woke up for this. The idea for the segment is great. It's just the – it's the – um it's just, like, the name of the segment that I feel like you don't like, which is okay. Yeah. It's, it's totally it. fair. So, <laughs> so in this game, we're going to run through each and every team that's 2-0 and and basically be like, yeah, like this team's legit or this is smoke and mirrors. They're not really 2-0. and Like, like you know, like if you're 0-2, it's like, okay, yeah, like this team's not going to be very good. Whereas like 2-0, and you can be 2-0 and and it'd still be like, yeah, they're still going to finish like 6-10, and you know? So we're just going to go by division because I like going by division on things like this. So first we got the AFC East. We got the Bills. So I I like them. I think that they're legit. And by legit, I mean, like, is this team a, a playoff team? I think that's kind of the, the bar that we're going to play for this. So they're, they're, they're probably going to win their division. I guess New England could win it. Wouldn't surprise me if New England did, because they're New England, and Camden's looked really good. But you know, Josh Allen looks much improved. Like As we talked about earlier, their defense is still really good. You know, with one of the best, you know, defensive head coaches in the league. And so, yeah, I'm definitely in on the Bills. What about you? This is hard. Um, I guess, yeah, it depends on how you define in, right? Uh, yeah, I, I would say I'm in. Playoff team. I feel like I that's think, kind of the best way yeah, to define Yeah, I think it. they're a yeah. playoff team. Um, I don't think they hit the ceiling that a lot of other people think that they're going to hit. I'm, I'm – I have one foot in, let's say. I'm not full okay. in. I'm testing the waters. It's a little warm. You know, I'm like, oh, I might get in. Like, we'll see. You know, it's fun. <laughs> might jump in, might jump in. It's hot outside. And so, even though, you know, like the water's a little cooler, it's like, hey, I might be able to, you know, I might be okay. okay. So, basically, I'm just, we're going to, we'll see. We'll see after this week. Um, I think this game is going to be incredibly important for them, the LA game, to kind of see, all right, you're not playing the Jets. You're not playing the Dolphins. Let's see what kind of team you are. And let's see what kind of guy you got at quarterback. Totally agree. Totally agree. I just, I like, I just feel like, you know, in their division, like, they're going to probably beat Miami twice. I think at a minimum they'll split with New England and they'll beat the Jets twice. Like, that's five wins. <clears throat> and to win that division, you only need, like, four more. <laughs> I feel like they're they're more than good enough to get that. So I'm definitely in on them. Next we'll go AFC North where we have the Ravens, which I'm, you're in. I'm in. I think everybody's in. Yeah, bro, I'm doing cannonballs off the roof of the house into the pool. <laughs> like okay. I'm, I could not be more in if I wanted to be. So yeah, yeah all all the way in on them. Yeah, um, yeah, I think you know they're, I think they're they're my pick to win the Super Bowl. I think they're, I'm not gonna say far and away the best team, but I feel like 
they're they're probably the best team in the league. At least they're they're mo- they're the most complete. Obviously, you know Kansas City still has Patrick Mahomes, and you gotta you gotta respect them because of that. But outside of that, I think the Ravens top to bottom are just they're really good. So yeah, there's not much to add to that, right? They're incredible. They come back with a fire after last year and the disappointment in the playoffs. We know, you know, even if you still have some questions, which I don't really do, but some people do have questions about is this going to work in the playoffs or not, there's no questions about the regular season, uh, oh, about no. how special that is and what they do. And so, yeah, definitely, definitely in on them. So the other team in the AFC North that's still undefeated is the Steelers. I've been, I've been on this from the beginning. I knew they'd be good this year because of my previous statements I have to be in, and I feel like they may have the best defense in the league, honestly. You know, maybe, you know, Baltimore's defense may be better, maybe the Bills, but I'd probably take the Steelers one or two. And I think that, you know, they they went 8-8 eight and eight last year with Big Ben hurt, and Big Ben's a huge step up for Mason Rudolph. I think they're a 10-6, lock them in for, for the wild card. I'm, I'm way steep in with eyes on the stairs out. Okay. So like okay. I'm 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 in. I like this poor I'm enjoying reference, it. by the way. Um yeah, we'll see if I can keep it going. <laughs> I'm in, I'm enjoying it, you know, walking around the shallow end, having some good cart, enjoying myself. But like out of the corner of my eye, I'm like, hey, if something goes down, like the exit's over there. And and the only worry with them for me is can Big Ben stay healthy? Because we know what happens if he can't. And they didn't upgrade that backup position. They should have tried to get Cam Newton at that backup position. They didn't. And so because of that and because of his age and, and some of the injury stuff that he's had lately, keeping my eye on the stairs, right? Like, I got the exit in view if I need to. Quick bail. If not, you know, hey, enjoying it. Enjoying the day. Having fun with my friends. You know, shooting a little bat- water basketball. We're having a good time. There you go. That's good. <laughs> okay, next we got the AFC West. Chiefs. Man, I'm out. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm, I'm in, you know, doing cannonballs off the roof to quote Colt. Oh, I'm I'm in with a straight jacket and weights tied around my ankles. That's how in I am. Like I I'm so in that I couldn't get out if I wanted to. Like there there's nothing that could get me out. That's that's how in I am. So yeah, totally agree. So this next one, the Raiders. So when I was filling this out last night at three o'clock in the morning, I was like, I'm in. Like they looked really good Monday night. And I I wake up this morning, I'm like, is that is that recency bias? And I'm kinda looking around the AFC, I'm like they could be a seven seed just because, you know, Drew Locke's hurt in Denver, so it doesn't look like they're going to make the playoffs, which really sucks, man. All, all my picks are getting hurt. But anyway, you know, the Browns could be the seven seed. I think they're definitely good enough to do that. But I'm like, I think I like the Raiders more than the Browns just because I like Derek Carr more. So I'm like, oh, man, this is so tough, man, because like, they don't have a pass rush. I like John Gruden. I like the fact they're in Vegas. I like that. I yeah, think no, I think it fits, it fits them well. really well. I'm in. I'm gonna go in. So it's it's a hot day, right? It's it's like 90, you're in Vegas, it, man. It's, like it's, it is hot. Yeah, it's hot in Vegas. It's like 95 degrees, and you know it's one of those days where it's like you know I, I don't know if I really want to go for a full swim. You know, like I don't know if I want to commit to that. So I'm sitting on the edge of the pool and I have like knees down, legs in the water. Okay. Right. Yeah. Like I got a I got a nice like lemonade in my hand. And it's one of those things where it's like, you know what? You know what? I might do it. You know, I just might do it. I just might go for a full swim. You know, I'm not there yet, but it's not off the table. You know, I'm like, hey, I'm enjoying this. Who, who knows? You know, who knows? <laughs> Wanna have a little fun? 
might get a little dangerous. I was, I was. We looking, might go for a full swim. Not there yet, but we'll see. I was looking at their schedule. Talk about an easy schedule, man. So they've got this four week stretch where they've got like the Chiefs and the Buccaneers and then the Saints and maybe the Ravens. And but after that, it's like Dolphins, Jets. No, it's it's the Patriots a part of that four week stretch and like Dolphins, Jets, you know teams that they should beat. Uh, like the, the Bengals are on there, and so after looking at that, I think that's that's why I'm in. Like their their schedule is pretty easy outside of those four games, and so yeah, the Raiders. Man, I can't believe I'm saying that about the Raiders because I thought for sure they'd be terrible this year. Mm. So next in the AFC South, there's only one Tennessee Titans. I'm in. They're gonna win that division. Um, because it's really bad, and you know they play really really unique style in today's NFL, and you know their defense is solid, so I, I like them to be a playoff team. Yeah, to continue the the pool analogy, right? It's it's one of those days where it's like you know I, I don't want to get my hair wet, but you know I'm still going to be kind of chilling around the pool, and and chatting and whatnot, and it's like you know what I'm not going to go all the way in, right? They're they're not going to be a team to to go super far. I don't th- I don't think they repeat to go to the AFC title game, but they're going to do really well in the division. They're going to be a playoff team. It's like, yeah, like I know, I know what this is, you know, pool party, chilling with the friends, you know, just kind of hanging out, throwing the football around the water. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's how in I am. Yeah. I like that. So next is the NFC East where there are no teams that are two and O perfect, which is is perfect for the NFC East. That's just the most NFC East thing ever. (laughs) So next we got the NFC North Packers. I'm all in. Um, Aaron Rodgers looks great. And the like, they've got like this three-headed monster with Rodgers, Aaron Jones, and um, Devonte Adams. That is like not very many other teams can match in terms of like star wide receiver, star quarterback, star running back. Especially Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones has looked ridiculous these first two weeks. And you know the defense has looked solid. I think that we're not really talking about their defense because Aaron Rodgers has mm-hmm. looked so great. So I'm definitely in. They're going to win that division, especially with how bad you know the the Vikings are this year. And yeah, so I'm in. Yeah, yeah, man, we're we're playing sharks and minnows in the deep end, bro. We're we're swimming back and forth, like we're having a good time. We know, like we're committed to this game. We're gonna be here for a while, all right. Like we're we're not getting out. We we know we're in. Like, yeah, we're not. You know, there's the potential to get out, I guess, if things go really south. But like, bro, we're 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 in. We're, we're, in. we're in on this. So next is the Bears, and man, I'm out. No way. I'm. Mm-mm. I am in sweats and a jacket <laughs> under a blanket <laughs> with the AC pumping. I I have like raw cookie dough in a tub with a spoon and I'm watching a chick flick crying alone. That's how out I am on this team. I've just got all these mental pictures of like Colt actually doing so that. So it's a normal Saturday night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, like Mitch Trubisky I just don't think for you to make the quarterback make the quarterback to make the playoffs with a quarterback like Mitch Trubisky you have to have a Pittsburgh Steelers Baltimore Ravens level defense which the Bears defense is good not to that level though and I just don't trust trust Trubisky now if they were to switch to Foles maybe but at the same time the NFC is so much deeper than the AFC I still don't know if they make the playoffs yeah you would have to kidnap me and put me in a body bag and tie weights around my ankles to get me in on this team. Like that's it's never going to happen. Like yeah. my my best friend, I, I'm ten years old. It's my best friend's birthday party. 
and I'm not even going. That's how out on this team I am. Like, it's not a chance. <laughs> the, anal- the analogies are great. Oh, my gosh. Okay, NFC West, Seahawks. I'm in. They're gonna let, it looks like they're going to let Russ cook. So, I mean, they're just going to outscore a bunch of people because the defense is terrible. Yeah, bro, we're doing backflips off the diving board, like showing off a little bit, you know, trying to trying to flex, make sure everybody knows looks how cool and flashy it is because, like, if you really began to look at it and it's like, man, you know, maybe this isn't, like, a complete picture, right? Like, maybe, you know, like, this guy is cool and he's doing flips and stuff, but, you know, I don't know how he's going to be, like, meeting the parents. And, and so I think that's kind of how I am with the Seahawks where it's like, man, you look at that offense, pff, bro, it'll take your breath away. You really kind of dig deeper in the full team. It's like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, not sure. sure. I'm not sure. But yeah, bro, we're doing flips off the back, off the diving board. We're we're having a great time. So next we got the Rams. I'm in. They look, they look really good, and you know they got two of the best players in the league defensively, and golf looks, golf looks really good. Like, so yeah, like I'm in. They're they look really good. Yeah, man, we're just swimming laps with our friends. You know, we're we're. In the deep end, going back and forth. You know, not not a ton of, maybe not as much fun as we're having with Green Bay. Not as much fun as we're having with Seattle. You know, we're not really cutting loose in the same way. But you know, we we believe in it. We trust it. We're swimming, we're having a good time. There you go. Uh, that's yeah. That's definitely a, how I'd look at it. So, Cardinals are next, and man, as badly as like I want to be in, I am out. Just because their division is, uh, at best, they're going to be the third best team in their division this year with all the injuries that the 49ers have. But when the 49ers come back healthy, I think people would agree that the Cardinals are the worst team in that division. That's why I'm out. It's not It's not because they're not good. It's just because th- they're better teams. So picture Cliff Kingsbury's amazing house that yeah. you saw at the draft. He has a pool out back, and then I'm, I'm out there, right? I get one of those, like, lounging blow-up pool floaties, and I'm laying on that. So I'm in, right? Like, I'm in the water, and, and laying on that pool floaty. You sink in the water a little bit, so I have a little water on me, but I'm, but I'm on the float. You know, I can, I can easily get to the edge if I need to bail. You know, I maybe even have some of those arm floaties on, too, like, just in case I fall off. I know I'm going to be okay. But I'm in. Like, I'm there. Like, I love Kyler Murray. Like, I'm right there. And it's what, you know, like, if it's one of those days where, like, all I have to do is just whoop, click, flip, roll over, and I'm completely in, right? So I'm close to being completely in. I want to be completely in. It's awesome. It's so much fun. It's the best pool party I've ever been to, honestly. Like, I can't think it's of a, having it's more it's fun. A, it's at Cliff Kingsbury's it's house. It's at Cliff Kingsbury's house. Of course. House. What more could you want? <laughs> uh, but I'm not, not completely sold just yet. Okay, so I'm going to play on this little pool thing. For me, it's kind of like I'm 12 years old, mm. and I got in trouble. Ooh. And so... I'm like standing at the glass door, just looking at the uh, pool, right? And it's just kind of like teasing. It's like me I want to be there so, so bad. badly, yeah, but I can't. You just can't because you just can't do it yet. Because mom got upset. Right, right. <laughs> we'll tell you what. In a couple of weeks, we'll come back to this conversation. We can do that. I might have talked to your mom and let talked her into letting you come and, and join you the pool do party that with for us. Me? I'll see what I can do. <laughs> okay. And so, last division, the NFC South. There are none. None. <laughs> nobody. So. That's it. That was really that was a fun way to end it. So I'm gonna give. I didn't ask you to do this, but I will give you the opportunity if you want because I, I know you got one on deck. Oh man, for a hot take that is may, maybe maybe it's related to sports. Maybe it's not. We honestly don't know. Okay. So I don't know if this undercuts everything we just talked about. <laughs> Pool parties are the most overrated parties <laughs> that I can possibly think of. Like honestly, like once you turn 15, like what are you doing at a pool party? 
right? You're, you're not there. swimming in the pool. No, the only reason you go to a pool party is because you want to like flex on people and and look good in a bathing suit. And so like unless you're KO, right? There's no reason for you to be going to a pool party when you're an adult because you're just gonna sit there and you're just gonna drink and like have your feet in the water or maybe you swim. But if you swim after like the age of seventeen, you're at not a pool cool. party. No, you're not. You're cool. not cool. It's just like, bro, why are you? Are you swimming? Like, no, we're not going to jump off the diving board. Like, what do you mean you want to play Sharks and Minnows? Like, are you 12? Right? Like, there's no upside to a pool party. Unless, unless you you're just, Aquaman. And sure, you look really but good. You, just, you just look weird at a pool party. Like, what do you do at a pool party? So, like, pool parties over the, like, once you leave high school, I'm out. Like, I don't want any part of them. Don't invite me to one. Like, I'm I'm back to my situation with the bears, right? Like I'm chilling, <laughs> watching a movie. Like I'm never. This is never happening. So pool parties cookie are, dough. are terrible. Get them out of here. Oh, Get them out of here. That's good. I like. That's a great note to end on. So that's been the show. Thank you, Colt. This has to be like an every Wednesday thing. Sure. Right, it's probably that's probably what it's going to become. Yeah. Because you're awesome. I like being on with you. So that's going to do it from us here at Overtime Takes. Thank you so much. You've been listening on KSWH LP 102.5 FM, The Pulse here in Arkadelphia.